For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Folks, basketball is very, very good. We're at a lull of the year on the basketball calendar for like official things. But we're coming back from Summer League. My name is Jay Kyle and This is Upside High. I'm joined, as always, by Jonathan Charks, who is fresh back from Summer League as well. John, how was your travels? Are you feeling good? What's up, buddy? Man, I felt like I just mainlined basketball for four days. Just, you're in that gym. Time is, like, very relative. It's like a casino, basically. You lose track of time when you're there. It's like a casino in a place full of casinos. Yeah, I guess it's designed to... Sort of make you forget what time of the day it is. I definitely, there is a moment where you walk up those steps and you're you're getting ready to go out the front door and you're like, wait, what? Like, uh, I don't know, super super hot. How did you adjust to that heat out there, man? You said it got especially hot before you left. I mean, the key is just staying inside. You just hunker down in that gym and you're just you wait till the sun comes down for you go out. It's kind of live that Vegas vampire lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. The Uber situation got me a couple times, like we we said. I mean, because you can't you can't drop a pin anywhere, like oh, just man. anywhere in Vegas. They're very particular about, like, you know, how they have like the snap thing. Like you'll try to drop it somewhere, and it'll like snap you to somewhere further away. And I was coming out of somewhere, and I just like needed a quick ride, and they couldn't pick me up where I was. So I ended up just having to walk like ten minutes in the like hundred and ten degree heat. I had like sweat through my clothes. It was. It was horrible, but the basketball was not horrible. Uh, and especially, you know, a great time to just meet people that I've talked to online for like two or three years. Um, you'd gotten to meet a lot of those people already, but um, we had a huge ringer contingency. I mean, how many people did we have? Nine or ten? It was it was something crazy. Let's not say it publicly so Spotify doesn't get to ask too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> that was a work trip. What was it? I was going to ask you. What was your favorite thing? Uh, I mean, the food part of the trip is great. I was curious. Did you did you have a favorite like food item from the trip, Sharks? That that really stood out to you? Any of your meal experiences? We were out there with the the gourmand Rob Mahoney. That's who, true. Who makes omelets in a kimono? I'm sure. But uh, did you have a favorite 
food item uh, or entree when you were out there? I was curious. You already know what I'm going to say. I mean, if I'm going to be on here, I'm going to plug best friend. Shout out Roy <laughs> Choi. Korean-Mexican fusion. It's a park MGM. If you're ever in Vegas, it's the spot. I love it. It's a good place. It is It is a good place to eat. I had some tacos there as well. And it, and for everyone that I met at Vegas, uh, or I got to see at Vegas, it was it was good to see you. Oh, I mean, it was, it was cool to good... see you, all your adoring fans. Kyle was getting swarmed in Vegas. It was awesome. I don't think that that's the term I would use. Uh, you know, we got to talk to some people who were fans of the pod, and and that was really nice. I mean, it re- sure. seriously, in all in all seriousness, that means a lot, and I enjoy I enjoyed meeting those people. But uh, on to the basketball, which is why we're all here. Um, you and I have kind of bounced around and talked about players on different pods. We did a long one with KOC where we talked a lot about Paolo. I think we both agreed that Paolo was kind of far and away the most impressive player at Summer League, um, and, and we're going to be writing about that on the ringer some. Uh, we want to talk about the other guys in the top three. Paolo's been kind of ad nauseum. Jabari Smith is is another guy. You had some takes on Jabari. Uh, what what was your general kind of takeaway? Was this a good outing for Jabari Smith? Was this an eye opening? Like, oh, this is uh, where where do you, what do you think Summer League did for the Jabari Smith discussion? That's a good question. I guess for me personally, I view it more as man. I got to watch. I think I watched Jabari Smith three times in person. So that was like, when you get to see a guy that many times up close, you just get to form a much different, I would say fuller opinion on him. I mean, in an NBA season, right? For me, not being in Houston, I'd probably take me multiple seasons to see Jabari that often in person and that many different games, that many different contexts. So for me, it's just more about the evaluation and just the ability to see him in person, see him matched up with a lot of different kinds of players, see how the Rockets were using him. As far as the broader conversation goes, it'll be forgotten in a couple weeks anyways, right? Like whatever he did in Summer League in terms of the quote-unquote narrative doesn't really matter. But I thought for sure it was very revealing to me to just watch him up close and personal that many times. Well, you talked about like the eval. You know, we've talked about Jabari on this show quite a bit. Um, Did anything stand out to you in terms of his game like in the in the way that he performed was anything confirmed or did anything new pop up to you i guess just from watching him in that setting well the one thing that was cool so after we did the pod with koc check that out on the void on the mismatch uh feed i got to see jabari play again and they played him at the five so they played it was against the spurs and they started jabari at the five tari easton at the four who'll get into a second that was really interesting. And it was like, maybe it kind of like put the, I always in the back of my mind, like Jabari obviously played power forward in college next to Walker Kessler. But seeing him at the five was just like, okay, he is really long. He's not super big. But then you're thinking about the five conference finals this year. The fives were Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleber, Kavon Looney, Draymond Green, Rob Williams, Al Horford. Bam out of bio. Jabari could match up with those guys, I think, in a couple years at, at worst. Yeah, I think that the positional thing, I don't know that he's quite the athlete. You gotta, I guess you see, you see him as leaning more towards like the positional, like the talker. His defensive communication, I thought, was pretty solid, like from the first game. I mean, he's he's a big time like a talker. He's always kind of aware of what's going on. Seems like a, like a bright, just like a high-motored thinker on the defensive end. 
Is he a little skinny, I guess? That's kind of the question, too. I, he's going to get bigger. We, we expect his frame to fill out quite a bit, don't you think? Yeah, I don't think he's at Chet level where you wonder about that. I think he will definitely fill out. He's also younger. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was just seeing that in person and seeing it play out. It was like, okay, if you play Jabari at the five, it really kind of gives you an interesting identity as a team, right? You're going to have incredible spacing. You're going to have a lot of length. I mean, even with a smaller player, you're going to have a guy with like, all of a sudden, because we talked a lot, we talked a lot about how he wasn't creating a ton of shots at the four, his like lack of ideal ball skills. But you play him at the five, it's, I mean, all of a sudden now he's very skilled for his position, right? Now he's able to take guys off the dribble. And then I think your entire team, you can have a smaller team, but you have a very flexible team. You have a very fast team. And it kind of, it's an interesting idea. I think I was so like locked into Shangun. I think Shangun's an important part of the Rockets going forward. But it just opened my eyes to the idea of, man, maybe the, like the future for the Rockets is Jabari at the five. If you had big defenders at the point of attack, what worries me a little bit about that is if you're going to lean in on Ty Ty, if you're going to lean in on Jalen Green, if you're going to put those guys on the floor together a lot, um, do you think that that is going to maybe put them in a vulnerable position if they're a little leaner, a little smaller, like at the five spot? Because... Uh, I just think that you would really need to have big physical wings. I know they have one that we're going to talk about. What do you think about that balance between those like scoring kind of more slender guards and then and putting him? And then also, I mean, that seems like possibly like a short-term solution, having him play defensively there or having him like attack fives. We want to get him to the point where he's handling the ball and expanding what he can do if he's going to reach that star potential. Um I don't know. What do, you, what do you think defensively about that balance? And then offensively, do you, do you think that that's kind of the timetable or that would be the plan? Like we would, is it better to have him attacking fives instead of wanting him to grow at attacking perimeter players? I think that's a great point, which often gets missed. It's like, if you have a small five, you got to have big wings in front of him. Mm-hmm. That's why kind of a small ball was always the wrong term. I think it was always more medium ball, right? Like, when the Warriors were at their best, it was Draymond. Then they had massive wings in front of them at every position, basically. And that for sure, we'll talk about this in a second, but it was Jabari at the five, Tari at the four. That combination looked really good in Vegas. And you're right. If you had smaller guards, maybe that's not the best fit. But uh, no offense, but I'm not letting Ty Ty Washington impact how I use Jabari Smith. Like I'm much more concerned about maximizing to me? my number three. Is that three why you pick. said offensive? Yeah. Am I offended by that? <laughs> well, He's not as my a, son, I, I don't. Care. I love. I love how you just slipped in. Oh well, if they're building around Ty Ty, then they got. No, is that really? <laughs> they're very happy to have Ty Ty. Sure, we know that. I mean, and I, I think that he's somebody that got undervalued, and you you get him into the program here. I mean. I definitely think that he's going to be on their mind, whether or not he like has the same equal trade value as other guys. Or w- I, I think they're going to want to try to get those guys all on the, on the floor together, or at least have him in the rotation. But I don't, I don't know. I think offensively, behind Jalen, he's probably their most talented. You could, you could do the KPJ thing, but uh, just trying to figure out how to get everybody on the floor. I think Ty Ty is going to be a big factor on that front. I would assume. Yeah, and I want to go back to what you said before about it being a short-term solution. Maybe it's a long-term solution. Do, do you think Jabari could be like 
the closing five for the Rockets in three or four years, and that's their identity? That's a good question because the guys that do that, let's think about the smaller fives that aren't, because he's not, he is long, but he's not crazy long. He moves well, but he's not like a rangy fly around guy that can defend the hole. You know, I think he's probably best used as like a weak side help kind of guy. I don't know. Uh, you think Draymond is so hard to compare to because he has the long arms, because he's pretty uh, one of the more talented, like anticipating defenders ever. Horford is a little is Horford. They're probably about the same size, I guess. Honestly, at the end of the day, uh, Horford's built bigger than than Jay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like what are the qualifications for you to be that type of player if you're gonna if you're gonna be a small ball quote unquote five in the NBA. I wanted to ask you about that actually, Horford. Yeah. Because that was a player I hadn't really thought much about with Jabari, but it kind of seems like a potential path for me in terms of a really high IQ guy, spaces the floor, moves the ball. Because that's what I noticed in Summer League 2 was that yeah, Jabari sometimes was like giving up athletically. He got beat off the dribble a few times, but a lot of times he's able to get back in position, use his arms to poke balls away. He was really good about very crafty. And it was like watching almost watching an older player because he was making up for the lack of elite athletic ability with craftiness. And I'm watching that in a 6'10 frame and I'm thinking, maybe there's some Al Horford here. Yeah, it, are you shifting the, the star dis- discussion though? I know we kind of feel similarly about him and like his challenges. You like naming this or like pointing to this pathway for him. Is that in your mind like cementing like, okay, well, I mean like these aren't superstar players that you're talking about. Like, we're, are we are we moving away from the idea of him being on ball and like growing into that? Like, is that kind of where your mind is? Because like Dray- Draymond, Horford, great players, but they're not like superstar franchise level players. I mean, I don't want to put a ceiling on a guy as talented as Jabari at his age. You know, that seems a little silly to do this early in his career. Well, you just did. So, uh. <laughs> also, don't tell Rob Mahoney Al Horford's not a superstar. Like, I'll, I'll have to make sure not to listen to this pod. I'll tell Rob Mahoney whatever I want. <laughs> okay. I'm just thinking like potential developmental pathways. And I think when you're as young as Jabari, there's a lot of them. And I think kind of like this idea of star, not star, it's a little reductive, especially for an 18, 19 year old. Like, let's just try to maximize his game, right? He's a pretty unique player. Let's add different elements to his game. If you want to like throw out a star, right? Maybe the star idea is maybe could he be Chris Bosch in Miami? And like that stretch on. five. Hold on, hold on. Let's let's not boil it down to semantics and be dismissive. I'm saying you want to say star, you're saying potato, I'll say potato. I'm talking about a certain type of value level for a player. If you want to if you want to reduce it to star, I'm not I'm not dismissing him. I'm just saying we 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 can agree that there are different types of players in the way that they are used, right? So like let's say is a is a Kevin Durant more valuable than an Al Horford? Both guys are kind of playing similar spots. They they offer different things. The value levels are just different. So I I think you're smiling. I I don't I'm just <laughs> Okay. I'm not saying he can't become a star. I'm just uh I want to I want to have some clarity. All right, but I, I guess like my thing is okay, to maximize Jabari, I like I was just saying like Chris Bosch in Miami as yeah. like the smaller five. I think that gives him more room to create against bigger defenders. And then you're trying to like leverage his defensive chops to maximize his offensive ability. 
by moving him to the five. Like, who's the most elite players in that role? I guess Bosch is a really good example. Bosch could attack some off the dribble, though. He had he had some of that post. It was like Bosch was never like a straight line, like closeout driver. Although the NBA is kind of different now than it was when he was playing, even even like ten years ago. I'm trying to think of like the most elite offensive players who've served that role, right? I mean, he's one. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't think of another one. Like the 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 players who produced the most, like Gallinari is a bit kind of a big time scorer in that role when he was in his prime. I don't know. Can you think of any others? I'm thinking. Of, I mean, let me get a list going and take a poke around because I think as you were talking about in terms of his limitations, I would think Jabari would struggle if he was asked to be Chris Bosh in Toronto, where he's playing the four. He's the hub of the offense. He's living in the mid post, going for like 25 a night, kind of creating everything. That's not the path I think Jabari's on right now. I wouldn't really want to build that way. But I do think Chris Bosch is the five in Miami, where now you're spreading the floor, a more willing shooter. You're going to have big closeout lanes, and you're going to have a faster team in front of him. That I think might maximize whatever he does have. If I was Houston, I would be thinking a lot about. I want to build the kind of team that gives me the flexibility to play Jabari at the five. So speak, this is a great segue, Charks. This is a great segue. So for for you to play that way, I mean, heavily personnel dependent, this is a this is a time for you to take a lap, I think. I think that's kind of a that's a theme of this pod. We're talking we're uh, <laughs> after the after the draft. <laughs> after the draft, um it always makes me laugh when people I'm not going to name any names but it just it does make me laugh when people are like really quick to to wave their receipts around uh, and I I have witnessed some people waving their receipts whatever we're not going to go there. Um it's just going purely by summer league here. Tari Eason looked great. I think I think the early returns are good for you. Maybe I'm being hypocritical turning around saying that you should take some credit here, but Tari Wildly impressive, I think, in summer league. And if you were looking for a player that fits the mold of what we were talking about—a big, athletic wing who can who has switchability, Tari switchability. What would you say? It's from where to where? What do you think based on what you saw in summer league? One to five. <laughs> Truly, I guess the question is like foot foot speed wise. We think he can stay with smaller guards on ball. Agree? Disagree? Yes. Yes. Uh, long enough to bother big perimeter shooters. He's a gl- he's a gap closer, like we talk about a lot. Lunges towards the ball quickly, just blocks. He has that like thiable kind of quality. Like he blocks jumpers without fouling, um, and he's strong. I mean, bodies bigs seems like the perfect guy to pair with a guy like Jabari, don't you think? Yeah, and I appreciate you do let me do the victory lap, is because it's better when someone else gasses you up. So I'll gas you up in a second and you can do your right. own little lap. Cause I don't, I, you're right. I hate that. It's so ridiculous. Like for <laughs> one thing, real quickly, before I go on a, it's not about you as a quote unquote analyst. Wait, what? <laughs> like life, I know on Twitter, it's like everything has to come back to me. And it's, it's, it's almost galling. Like I'm going to watch the NBA draft where all these guys' lives are changed. And there's so many interesting th- things happen. But the main thing I'm going to focus on are my own takes and whether they're validated. Like, come on, guys. Like, let's <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> are you 
you saying ask- there's narcissism out there on the internet, Charles? Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. And I, as far as Tari goes, a couple things. Number one, the most important rule about Summer League is that if it's something you already believe, then it For means sure. something. And if it doesn't, if it goes against one of your takes before, well, then it's just Summer League. Like, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything. So, like, I always say Summer League is two weeks of confirmation bias, number one. And number two, the things for me, like we talked about on KOC's pod, is physical tools really stand out in this setting. When you're seeing so many players, you're seeing the entire league, and you see those, like, 1% guys, and you're like, dang, I just watched, like, the best athletes in the world, and this guy, even in that setting, is different. And that was Tari Eason. My favorite play, like, of Summer League, maybe, I, mean, we, I think we were both at this game. He went up for a dunk and someone tried to block him and he just like refused to be blocked and he dunked it again. Like the guy like <laughs> grabbed his wrist almost and he powered through him and finished dunking. And Tari was just everywhere in summer league. Like he was like 6'8", 215. And what you were saying about strength really stood out too. Like he bullied uh, Chet a few times. Where he's like, yeah. give me that ball. And he's just pushing guys around. Guys are bouncing off him. He high pointed Chet at one point. I think Chet did. went to try to like finish over the top, and Tari gave him a little look, like, "Nah, that's not that's not happening here." He's a special athlete, man. Yeah, and they were throwing oops to him, like they were already like trying to get him the ball as many different ways as they could. And I guess again, to go back to what you were saying, the combination of Jabari and Tari was like, "Wow, this has worked so well together." Because yeah, if you have a guy like Jabari at the five, you want a big physical point of attack defender in front of him, as you were saying. And it's like, I can put Tari on anyone. Like, he can be my, I think that's the idea in, in Houston is this guy's going to be my stopper. Like, I'm throwing him on the big wings. I'm throwing him on a smaller guard and a switch if I have to. Shoot, like, I can play Tari at the five, Jabari at the four in certain matchups. Yeah, you definitely could. And I, he, he definitely did some things. I mean, he's not perfect. I think the offensive game, we love the defense. Like, it's incredible. It's, it's his just his floor i think the ce- the ceiling is really high uh the floor is impressive the offense is interesting because you're kind of wondering what's his upside as a shooter we he did some of the stuff that we laughed about before the draft where he would just kind of wildly drive to the rim and people just bounce off of him like they it, it's like he's made of rubber like he doesn't even i, I went back and watched one clip where a dude bounced off of him and I looked to see if Tari extended his arm and he didn't. He just kind of had his arm up. Um, what do you think about him as a finisher? I was kind of noticing he's a little bit like, he's a little chaotic. Sometimes his craft as a finisher, he'll miss bunnies, but he's also finishes through contact pretty well. What do you think he needs to work on to become like a consistent offensive player to balance things out? I mean, and you can say this about a lot of guys at Summer League, is playing under control. And that's a skill not a lot of younger guys have. And when you do see it, it's very impressive. It's like, okay, you can go full speed at the basket, but sometimes you only want to go 60% at the basket, right? Yeah. Sometimes you got to like pull it back, even though you can go faster. And that's where I think having the other side of it is important too. Because when you have Jabari Smith spreading the floor, that makes it a lot easier for a guy like Tari to bully his way to the basket, right? Because you've got much better spacing with the five-man like Jabari shooting it. And then obviously, too, you're going to need Tar- both Tari and Jabari need to get set up. And I guess that brings us to your boy, Ty Ty. What did you see from him in Summer League? 
He was good. I don't think he was like mind blowing. Uh, I think he looked comfortable most of the time from what I watched. Um, there are a couple games I I didn't get to see absolutely everything of Ty Ty, but yeah, I mean, he just he looks like somebody that is offensively has a, a modern game. I think he's going to be able to grow into some playmaking chops. I think that he and he and Jalen together are an interesting pairing um, because I do think that like. Ty Ty has a little bit of that. Like he has some ability to defer in him. Um, he's a little older though. Like we talked about on KOC's pod. I don't know. I, nothing, nothing really tr- changed dramatically for me on the Ty Ty front. Honestly, he's one of those that like he was, he wasn't like explosive and loud. Like he didn't have huge outbursts. He was a little more subtle. Um, so I, th- I, I kind of come away from summer league, not really having like dramatic change of thoughts on Ty Ty. Honestly. So the other big storyline here, we're, not, we're talking about the top three is honestly the Thunder at large, but Chet Holmgren. Um, Chet has played a lot through Summer League. Basically, I think he missed what one game? Did he miss? Has he missed any games? I'm not sure that he has. Not the ones I saw in Vegas. I mean, he might get sitting out now. You never know anymore at this point in Summer League. Right. We're getting to the dog days of Summer League here now. Uh, Chet has had some pretty remarkable moments. He had some some high moments where he looked like he had the Orlando Magic fans like cowering and 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 worrying about the making a huge mistake. Uh and then he kind of it leveled out a little bit. He didn't stay at that that was not his cruising altitude throughout summer league, I wouldn't say. Um Chet's strength throughout summer league. Did you see anything, you know, people have had questions about his what his challenges are going to be. You kind of hear that over and over again, the body, the body, the body. What What do you think showed up just through this sort of limited prism of NBA action? What do you think showed up as a concern or something that surprised you about Chet here in Summer League? I would say the strength thing. Not that it's very surprising, but like when you first see him, you're kind of awed by his length. But then the more you watch, like, okay, yeah, you do see he is getting pushed around some Especially in that Orlando game, I thought there was also a couple sequences. Not only does like he he gets bumped off his spots, guys do take the ball from him sometimes, and it's like he gets pushed to the perimeter. But it also felt like with smaller defenders, I noticed that they really sometimes his dribbling he's just dribbling in circles because a smaller guy he's not beating the smaller guy. He has to put the guy on his back basically, and that's something for me too. As I was thinking about with Chet. So I'm only 6'4", so it's not quite the same. But I'm a 6'4 guy who likes to dribble. I always prefer taller guys guarding me. Like, I hate having a smaller guy get in my dribble, get under me, push me off, use his center of gravity. And I saw that some in Summer League where when a smaller guy was switched on him, it was a little tough for him sometimes. It's unrealistic to expect a seven footer to be attacking off the bounce consistently against NBA guards. I don't know that people, I've, I've heard people criticize Chet on that front. They're, the the percentage of guys who are that size who can attack legitimate NBA defenders um, and can get low enough, like it's like Giannis and who else? I mean, not not many guys can do that uh, consistently and create. I don't think that I don't think that Chet needs to be able to do that. Honestly, I think he needs he just needs to be able to kind of alternate between like getting guys on his back, attacking. He he's not like a a blow by perimeter player in my opinion you know I don't think that he's going to just cook people off the dribble his handle does need to improve a little bit if he's going to if he's going to be a primary ball handler I've been paying a lot of attention to you know we saw him at Gonzaga 
take these kind of short trips in transition where he'd like drive three-point line to three-point line. Didn't get all the way to the rim. I was trying to pay attention to him. Like, how well did he get into traffic? How well did he get into the middle of the floor and then make a decision? Because that's the kind of stuff that we didn't see at Gonzaga. Yeah, and I think that'll be huge for him. As you were saying, the short trips. It's those one to two dribbles, then make the next pass. I think that will be one of the strengths of his game. But I do think that's also where the strength is an issue, where he's getting pushed. And I mean, you do see it when you see him out there. He doesn't have super broad shoulders. He's just a super skinny guy. I think he will get stronger, but I don't know how, many, how, many, how much more weight he's really going to add. Yeah, and I, I've talked with people about this. I'm like, I don't think he needs to get huge. I just, it's just he's going to have to add lean strength so he can take those hits um, and attacking closeouts. I've always kind of thought that he needed to be more of a, like a pace player who just like slowly takes his time. If he shoots the ball well, he should be okay on that front. His defense, I thought, was pretty impressive. Um, he had some closeout moments. He was flying around. It seemed like he earned the respect of some guys. Defensively, what did, what did you make of, of Chet and Summer League? Did he live up to the, the reputation that you that radicalized you before the draft? For sure. He looked great. Uh, it's funny because he was so aggressive on defense. He was just always in the mix. So he got dunked on at least once or twice that I saw. But he blocked a billion shots. And it just felt like he was challenging guys. Guys were challenging him. There was just a lot of action when Chet was involved in the defense. And obviously the biggest thing is just covering up space. This is the ability to cover up space with his length. And I think that's ultimately why I'm not too concerned about whatever struggles he might have had in Summer League. It's just you saw the what that length can do on both ends of the floor. Where when he is able to get to a spot and elevate, it's unguardable because he's just so long. He can always shoot over guys. And he's covering up so much space on the defensive side. If he's just going to be like a dependable catch and shoot player and def- and you know provide that level of defensive impact, that's a good player already. I guess the question is, and we've talked about this a lot. Like, is he gonna? Is he going to? It's same thing with Jabari. Is he going to be able to cross that bridge into like, okay, we can have this guy carry a big load. We can have this guy facilitate offense from the elbow, things like that. Like. I don't know. We're still not sure about that. The strength is a big is going to be a big part of that. Like, and and is he going to be able to uh, pass over the top and set guys up? Luckily, he's playing with uh, the guy who's going to be his point guard. It's been fun to kind of watch them work their chemistry out over summer league. Honestly, Josh Giddy. Yeah, I mean, I think that will be Chet's role in year one is kind of moving the ball, playing off guys. I think that's what's kind of encouraging too is. Cutting, passing, shooting. And Chet can be just part of the offense. He's going to be able to kind of walk into a bigger role over time because they do have Josh Giddy and you know, Shea Gillis-Alexander once the NBA season starts. And they have another guy who has, is, is a ball handler who can, who can shoot the ball. Was very impressive getting to the rim, and that's Jalen Williams. Speaking of taking, victory laps. Am I taking a lap? Here we go. Here we go. he's one of those guys that like one of my main thing about main things about like waving receipts is that like there's some people you just shouldn't take credit for i mean like jalen williams is good it was clear he was ranked he valued highly 
I didn't see anything that other people didn't see. It's just I I do personally value that skill set higher than others. Like I do I do value guys that can handle the ball at that size. Like we've said before, came to college as like a point guard at six two, grew to six foot six. So now OKC has this guy. Do you think? Do you think does Jalen Williams start for the Thunder? I mean, you know, what do you think? Or does he come off the bench? He'll come off the bench. I mean, they just gave Lou Dort ninety million dollars. That's I don't true. I don't expect Key variable. <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to be able to put some ball skill. That's you. You hit it. I think with the Chet thing, they're going to be able to put some lineups on the floor with a lot of ball skills at different positions, and there's not going to be tremendous pressure on Chet. Um, but Jalen, really around the rim, I think is where he was the most impressive during summer league. Yeah, and kind of what we've been talking about, how physical tools stand out in this setting. And really, physical tools are what all, don't always stand out on TV and screen. They don't always necessarily pop like they do in person. And I didn't, I, I didn't watch a ton of Jalen Williams, but he was a much better athlete than I had in my head coming into this. I was very impressed. Because you're right, the skill level was always pretty clear. But the way he was finishing at traffic, the way he was jumping in there and moving, it's like, man, this guy's got almost all of the pieces. This is a really impressive prospect. Yeah, it could be. A, I mean, pretty decent size. He's right at about six six, seven two and a quarter wingspan. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had something pushing a forty inch vertical. It could be. It could be an example of he's in a in a system with a little more space, a little less pressure on him because when he was playing at Santa Clara, uh, you know, when he had the ball in his hands for longer stretches, all eyes were on him. And it could be an, an example now of uh, the eyes aren't all on him because Giddy's such a steady, you know, can have the ball in his hands and make good decisions. Uh, he might just feel liberated right now that he he is, is being able to cut. And that's the advantage of having a player like Giddy. And then when you add Shea to it, um, it, it gets, yeah, I think it's going to allow those guys to touch into the other parts of their basketball IQ uh, in ways that maybe they haven't had the opportunity to in the past. Yeah, I mean, this OKC team all of a sudden has got super high skill level. So the other Jalen Williams, which we have to figure out how we're going to talk about this because it is kind of weird. They've done it. Uh, it wasn't it like J-Dub and J-Will is the thing that they Is that what they're up. doing? Yeah, and what's funny is I can't even remember which one is which from that. But we're talking about the guy from Arkansas. Um, big guy who... Very crafty. We talked about him a little bit after the draft. What's, what's your take on Jalen Williams? Jay, Jay with a Y. Well, I was I was a big fan. Just I always love bigs who can defend and pass, and that's what he can do. And he was pinging the ball around. And you think about the two Jalen Williams, Chet, Shea, Giddy. That ball could ping and fly around the floor. You've got five guys who can really move it. Pretty high-level decision makers. And all of a sudden, it kind of feels like the pieces are starting to fall into place. It feels like there's an identity for this team, like with the kind of guys they've drafted this year, where now it's not just like a massive canvas, but all of a sudden, it's like you can kind of see the outline of a pretty good team pretty quickly. And that's the most exciting part. It really feels like they had, I think, four draft picks in the top 35. And it looks pretty good. Obviously, Usman Jang is his own thing. I'm still, I'm still like learning about him, and but man, he was interesting to look at physically. Just seeing him out there, he's freaking huge. Yeah, he he just seemed like house money out there. Like it, it was hilarious to watch OKC's roster. And granted, they brought six guys, I think, to summer league who 
started at least 10 games. So they kind of had a cohesion that popped, that stood out. Um, Zhang, Zhang, yeah, is interesting. He's got kind of similar shooting issues to Tari, like shoots the ball low, has decent touch, but he shoots it low. Um, that's going to have to come around. But off the dribble, I thought he looked pretty competent. Like we've said a hundred times, he's really young. Jalen, I think, is interesting in terms of like next to Chet. I think there's a real opening for Jalen, Jalen with a Y, <laughs> to play uh, to play minutes next to Chet next year because he's the type of defender I think that they're going to need. We talked about like having connective tissue the way the Rockets need it up front. Um, I think that Jalen is is the kind of guy who can maybe body bigger players. It's funny that we talked about this on Kevin's pod, and it, it never occurred to me that like, oh, like what kind of player would you put next to Chet? Like what kind of body type? Jalen seems, I mean, positionally, we know he's super, super clever. He like led the NCAA in charges, which can be, you know, whatever your opinion is on that. He seems like the type of player to to that would fit perfectly right here. I think so. I think the other options, I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl, a little more offensive minded. I'd probably prefer mm-hmm. Jalen in that role. Yeah, and I saw I saw JRE at a restaurant. I just wanted to say that also. Um, we were we were at a restaurant called Fuhu, and he was there. Uh, before we move on and talk about some of the other guys who stood out, and we round out our, our thoughts on on Summer League 2022, uh, we are going to take a break. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So something that I wanted to ask you about, Charks, this has kind of been in the air in the discussion around Summer League. One of the big things is who plays, who doesn't play? Because if you notice, there's some second-year guys out there getting reps, you know, and I'm going to tie this uh, part of this discussion, you know, 
our guy Zaire that we've talked a lot about was out there basically running. We saw some point Zaire, which is a chaotic proposition in and of itself. We saw Josh Giddy out there basically playing every minute of every game. Um, or not every minute, but he played every game. He played a lot. And OKC brought a lot of players. Do you think, what do you think about second year guys playing in summer league? Who should play? Why or why not? Um, do you think there's any value for guys like that to play in summer league? It's hard because there's value for me selfishly, right? It made me laugh. Some of like the ESPN guys were blasting the guys not playing. It's like, well, you do work for a TV company that wants to get ratings. So <laughs> I'm sure it's in your best interest for these second year guys to play also. I didn't take it that way. I thought I thought it was just legitimately like they were annoyed by it. I don't know. Do you do you think Richard Jefferson was thinking about it on that level, on a programming level? I mean, it might have come up in a meeting. Is all I'm saying. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, I'd prefer guys play. I mean, why not? They're already out here, right? They're already out here practicing. It's always valuable to get more opportunities. I mean, always risk of injury, sure, but you're playing all summer, anyways. It does feel like more and more guys aren't playing, but I'm looking at this list in the 2021 draft. It's really it's the top guys who didn't play. Most of the late first round picks were out there. Yeah, and, and my question just is, do do these top guys have nothing to gain by being there? I mean, Giddy was picked, what? He was top 10, wasn't he? I mean, Giddy he was sixth. Uh, yeah. Why should Giddy be out there and, and these other guys not? I, I'm not saying, I'm not criticizing anybody specific. I'm just saying, I do think that these reps, my, my thought process on this is specifically the G League and it's it's hard and this setting in Summer League, it's hard to get these low consequence reps against an unpredictable defense. You know, there's a difference between being in practice and like growing your decision making skills, I feel like, against like your teammates or things like that. When you're out here with some of these guys who are like fighting for their basketball lives. I think that this is just a great context. Say you're somebody that's not a primary on-ball player. It's a good opportunity to get out there and grow those decision-making skills, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. It's that if you're a guy who's not going to get a ton of reps during the season on the ball, then you want to maximize any on-ball reps you can get. But, I mean, a guy like, you know, Jalen Green... Jalen Suggs. <laughs> it's always the first one to come up. Jalen Green. Yeah. Like they're going to get plenty of on-ball reps next year. So to me, I it's not a huge deal. Obviously, I'd, I'd rather watch these guys play than not. But I'm not, I'm not sure it really matters. I think it matters more for guys like our guy Zaire, who aren't going to get very many reps on the ball on the season, but want to still expand their games. Well, what's the difference between the mentality of Josh Giddy, who is a good passer? What is he out there working on? I guess I just, I'm trying to get to the bottom of what's the, because it's like we've seen a guy like Cam Thomas, who Steve Nash came out and said, I, I want to see him grow as like a decision maker. We, we saw him play every time down, he was like, I'm going to score this ball right now. I mean, and no one could stop him. What, why not come into a setting like this and have the mindset of, I need to grow in this particular way? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to see the difference between somebody like Giddy and somebody like Green or or on and on. What why why be out there? Why be out there if you're just Giddy? I mean, I don't think he had to be. Just it helps just him work, to. you know, work with Chet. He actually struggled against Xavier Simpson 
Not that it really matters, but Xavier Simpson gave him the business in the game I watched. Yeah, I think being a little older and like, I, I don't read a ton into that. There are definitely going to be guys out there that are going to want to tee off and like make an example or come at you. Maybe that's a challenge. You don't want to get embarrassed. It, it was nice for me to see guys like Zaire out there playing point. Zaire still has a long way to go as a passer and decision maker. He looked good in his like pull-up game. He had a couple good games. But Quentin Grimes is a guy who really benefited from going out there. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just seeing the difference. Is there really a huge difference between a guy taking top 10 and a guy taking in a late first round? I guess the risk is money at the end of the day, maybe the risk of the investment. I think I would like to see more guys play. Um, it, uh, it just seems like a good opportunity. Sure, maybe they just don't feel like it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're in Vegas, you know, they had a long year trying to relax, hit the table. Well, Kuminga was out there. Kuminga was out there getting some on ball reps. Uh, anyway, we could go on and on. Is there anybody else just kind of off the radar, like a, a, somebody that you thought maybe deserved some credit for playing well that didn't get enough credit? Was there somebody? I don't know about credit's the right word, but a guy that stood out to me in this setting, Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. He was drafted by the Spurs, and his speed, seeing that in person was really impressive. This is a guy, people are going to have a hard time staying in front of him. He can get to the rim like that, and that is a great start. <laughs> like That's something to build on as a foundation, and you're watching the Spurs, and it's like, this guy's going to play a lot next year probably, right? Like, Why not? They got nothing going on anymore. Just throw him on the pile of athletic, you know, six five guys that the Spurs have uh, that they just keep rattling through. Yeah, Wesley, Wesley, somebody I just like his energy that he plays with. He he always brings it. It seems like you never have to kind of worry about him getting motivated to play hard. Um, I think that those the Spurs, although they did just lose Chip England as we saw, but I think I think that the Spurs are a great setting for him, similar to. Similar to kind of the way Keldon was, if you get these guys in here who have specific kind of skill set challenges that they can that they can guide you in a better direction, I think Wesley fits that bill. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Namias Keita for uh, for the Kings. The Kings overall feel good summer league. I, I think. Um, did you get to see any of Keita? Yeah, I mean he was impressive. Yeah. Uh, the, the bill on him coming out of college, just, you know, great rim protector. I think he, his body looks better. He's moving around. Something that was cracking me up was during these broken plays, it happened a, a few times. Uh, he hit some face-up jumpers. Um, I don't know. It seems like he he is on a trajectory uh, to contributing at some point. Did you have anybody else that you wanted to shout out? Well, I was going to say, Kata, he's an example of second-round pick but he really feels like a legitimate NBA, maybe even starting center. Mm. Just in terms of, he's got the size, obviously. He's freaking huge. And then I feel like when you're as big as Kata, the bar is lower across the board. Okay, yeah. If you're that big, and okay, now you're reasonably fast and you're reasonably skilled. Then like all of a sudden, the pieces fall into place where if you're in the pick and roll and you're anchoring the defense, it's pretty easy for you to be a productive player. I mean, it kind of reminded me a bit of uh, Damian Jones, a guy the Kings had last year who's back at the Lakers, who's bounced around the league a lot, but oh, yeah. it feels like is starting to put it together in terms of a solid NBA career. And like, it seems to me like he is going to play 10 years in the league. I bet he starts at some point somewhere if it's not Sacramento. I see. Sacramento might be tough considering their personnel, but somewhere. 
Yeah, and it just seems like this is an example of why you can find centers later. Is if I can get into Maya Skeeta at 40, it just makes that's what makes the bar so high for these traditional centers who are gone going in the mid first rounds. It's like that skill set I can find later. Josh Minot is a guy who produced some buzz. Josh Minot was somebody that you were really high on. Victory lap. Huh. As we were saying, why not my not, baby? Like, why love not it. my not? Yeah. What, what, did, what did you like about Josh Minot? I mean, just the activity. It was funny. I was at one game I was at, you could clearly see he'd run out of gas by the end of the game because <laughs> he'd been like flying around the court. And that was funny too in person is you get a really good sense. You're just sitting right there at courtside and you can really see, oh, this guy's tired right now. Like that's something it doesn't always come across on TV, but man, no, he's fatigued. Like, oh yeah, he's not going to do anything the next two minutes because he's really tired. He's just trying to stay on the court. <laughs> that happened a lot. Yeah, mine was a good pickup. Uh, Kendall Brown is another guy that you you were thinking about. Uh, what what about Kendall Brown? Well, kind of same kind of thing where in this setting, a six eight wing who can move is like he jumps off the screen, and because a lot of times too in summer league, what'll happen is especially on most of these teams, there's like one or two guys you're watching and then they'll go to the second unit. And that's when it gets pretty brutal. It's like that stretch where the, the, top, the top two picks are not playing. And it's just five G League guys out there. But the Pacers, it was nice because they had Matherin and Brown. So there's always somebody to watch. And Brown looked great. Brown was flying around the court. He made a lot of really nice passes. And it just felt like for where he was taken at 50, that's a heck of a great value. To get a guy with his kind of physical tools and with a developing skill set like that, I think we we talked about this after the draft. But there's this bucket of guys: Minot, Kendall Brown, Peyton Watson. I'm there's forgetting some. Yeah. Who's the other? There's a fourth guy too. But like these six eight wings freshmen who came out with not a lot of experience, but have incredible upside. And it's like whoever hits on that guy is going to be. That's going to be huge for whatever team that is. Yeah, and he's going to slot in with other guys who are like have playmaking mindsets. He'll be able to do the things that he does well. You always got to kind of chart the RSCI like we talked about, like guys that come in and maybe have a weird year with their usage. 48 is where he ended up getting picked. Um, that is a great value for somebody like Indiana. Uh, Indiana, who, who if he had played well, maybe not wouldn't have had the opportunity to draft him. So I think that that's a... That's a great pickup. Any other observations from from Vegas, Sharks? Uh, any other thoughts? Oh, the other guy in that list, I was thinking it was Caleb Houston at thirty two. Same oh, yeah. kind of thing, and, and he he's shown some good, stuff. Yeah, playing off playing off Paolo for sure. Yeah, big big spacer, which really I think in the short term is all he really has to. I mean, he obviously has to play defense, but I don't think there's going to be a ton of pressure on him to to do a whole lot on ball based on who they have. I, we had a period of time there where it was like the young cores in the league where like the Kings and then the Grizzlies. Who do you think is the most impressive, like really young core in the league right now? Based on what you, did summer league change you anything for you on that front? I guess is my question. I mean, that is the question, right? Like that is the one we're all kind of trying to figure out right now after these last couple drafts. We talked about it after the draft. There's a lot of really good young cores out there all of a sudden. Um, I said OKC after the draft, and I'll stick with that. To me, OKC in Orlando. Yeah. Just the Paolo Franz thing. I'm ex- I, I could not be more excited about that. Yeah, pa- I, I, it's the same discussion like you and I talked about young cores, I think, at the beginning of last season. 
and we were ranking them and just I was or maybe it was me and you and KOC, but I kind of feel like if you can get that uh, you know, four quarters don't always add up to the to a dollar basically in the NBA as we've seen and if you can get the, that dollar, that one that bill uh, that's that's hard to do, and it seems like Orlando got got one of those guys, and if, and I think that that obviously is harder. That's why I was going to say a young core, any young core that has Luca in it, could be argued that it's the best young core in my opinion because they're just they're such value elevating players. Paolo's so so impressive. Um, summer league, great time. It was good to see everybody. It was good to get back out there. We're gonna have some more writing coming up on that. I was gonna say I saw Jeremy Sohan. Uh, Walking in the Cosmopolitan, very tall, very stylish young man. Just wanted to just wanted to throw that in there. Did you tell him you were a big fan? You should have said hi. I supported you on my podcast. I was afraid to speak to him. I was. I, I like to leave them be out in public. Um, yeah, we're gonna have some writing coming up on that. I know KOC. Yeah, you have, you have a notebook, out. right? Kyle? I have a notebook. When's, I'm, when's that I'm coming gonna, out? Dollinger and I were talking about when we're gonna fire that. Maybe Monday, actually. So uh, we will see. Uh, Charks, it was good to see you. Good to see everybody. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I love Summer League. It's a great way to kind of wrap up the year, especially for us. The kind of pod we did here at Upside High is always obviously about those kinds of players. It's awesome to see them in person. And like you said, is it was cool to hear from people about the pod, people who liked it. We really appreciate that, obviously. Appreciate all the support this year. It's been super fun. I think we're not quite sure what the plan is. We'll, we'll be around this offseason at a certain point. Maybe not as regularly, but we we plan to be around to talk some more about this stuff. Uh, I also I meant to say also I found out I'm a I'm an untapped golf, golf talent. I think we didn't talk about really. That. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm apparently a golf savant. I've never swung a club, couldn't hit the ball at the beginning of the night. And you can ask Jomi. I had this confirmed. Dollinger pushed back and acted like this didn't happen. But they have that big screen at the at the end of the net. It's like 220 something yard. I was hitting balls with your boy Ethan Strauss apparently. And uh, yeah, apparently I hit the back screen, so I was driving 220 by the time we left. So I've, I've been encouraged. I'm not going to act like I'm, you know, the chosen one, but I'm not going to say I'm not, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, it's well, uh, Kyle, it was, you're getting you're getting to that age where you're going to need to start learning golf for sure, so you can stay active physically. Yeah, or or cycling, like I always joke. That's that's what I feel like I'm destined to do, or swimming, you know, whatever. So, all right, Sharks, good to see you. Yeah, and we'll we'll be back soon. We're not sure exactly when, but we're going to be doing some stuff, hopefully, coming up here soon on this feed on Upside High. Uh, Sharks, it was good to see you. Yeah, it was great as always, man. Yeah.